Welcome to Biker Life Radio with Chuck and Deb, heard each Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. on 1490 AM, WWPR. And now, here's Chuck and Deb. Hi, I'm Chuck. And Deb. And welcome to Biker Life Radio. We are so truly grateful and thankful that you've joined us today. We've got another fantastic show lined up just for you. And Biker Life Radio is for those who are inspired to ride and those who inspire others to ride. We are here to reveal the truth behind the motorcycle mystique and share real-life stories that will help you discover your purpose, achieve true freedom and define your destiny so let's uh get the show started with today's show sponsors we want to thank tony and guy hairdressing academy out of colorado springs colorado and coeur d'alene idaho for being the sponsors today so if you're ready to crank up your engines put your chins in the wind and seats in the saddle then let's get the show rolling let's get it rolling deb because i'll tell you i'm a little bit uh even even though uh, i'm I'm ready to get this rolling. I'm a little bit tired. Really? I, I had a really rough weekend. You did? <laughs> yeah. It was a great weekend. And we're not going to really go into that right now. We want our listeners to stay tuned next week. Uh, and we'll actually tell you exactly what happened. Because we're falling behind here. We've been traveling so much. And so much has been going on. We've got to get caught, caught up with our Aruba trip. Because we promised our listeners we'd talk about that this week. Absolutely. And I don't want to you know, cut our time with them short and leave them hanging. Because I have to say, Aruba was a fantastic trip and the coolest thing ever was that we were able to do a Harley Davidson motorcycle tour of the entire island and if anyone's ever considered possibly going to Aruba and you're not quite sure how to see all the sights as a motorcyclist ourselves, I thought it was a fantastic way to you know get everything up and running and go from one end of the island to the other end of the island and lots of sights in between. Of course any biker is going to enjoy that they do also have those ATV as a matter of fact, when we first started looking, uh, I, I keep I want to say choppers, but what they were they were trikes. They were kind of a they, trike chopper. Yeah, though. they, they were a triker chop. And yeah. I said I said, well, that sounds sort of neat. Uh, and then we ran into the uh, the uh, the Harley rental by going to the Harley store, and there was a sign right out front there. The guy I told him he says that was a great sign because without it we'd have never found you. Right. And uh, so we didn't go with the trikes, and I'm really grateful that we didn't because of the experience we had for one, and then we passed them up on the road and I was just glad we went with the Harley Yeah, Yep, I was super stoked that we stuck with who we are and what we are and, and connected with the Harley Davidson. Now the owner of that Harley Davidson tour, AJ, shared with us that he had owned the Harley Davidson dealer on the island for quite a few years yep. and things just transitioned over time and now there's just a couple of t-shirt shops um, that are both Harley Davidson, one downtown and one on the far north end of the island. And so you know, he decided a way to make this a good fit for him and being a Harley guy is to and he's got a whole fleet of Harley Davidson motorcycles to get people out on tours and uh, Naheem again was our tour guide, tour guide. did a fantastic job. Naheem did a job. great job if you're listening Naheem uh, thank you very much we really appreciate it, it was a, you did a fantastic job you really did. Yeah but a couple of things I just wanted to be sure that you know our listeners if you are going to Aruba or have been things that you want to make sure you have on your list is we went to uh, Alta Vista Chapel that was our first destination up on the top of the hill was pretty amazing then he brought us over to the california lighthouse huge story behind that we're not going to go into all yeah, those lost details. a t-shirt there i think yeah I think i'm gonna we figure did. that out we'll keep going okay so then we moved on and Naheem took a great picture of us in front of the marine military base now i had no idea that that existed on the island so that was pretty well we got to cool. get that up deb i mean if, if he sent you the picture we need to get up on the page or something uh, you're right and i will do that so be sure and take a look at that. Um, then we ended on the very most southern part of the island at Baby Beach in St. Nicholas. We went over 20 miles and on the motorcycle tour, which it doesn't seem like longer. very long, but it was, you know, over four, about four hours yeah. by the time we were for, all said. For 20 done. miles, four right. hours. Right. And, you know, the cool thing is... We didn't have any is, stops, really. Well, yes, we had just a couple I mean, of quick ones just long, to see you know. the sights. Yeah, they yeah. weren't for very long. And the, the interesting thing is, is that
that you would think in the tropics that Aruba is this very tropical island and they do have palm trees. However, what you discover when you start to explore is that it's really a desert island in its nature. And they, you know, made it more um, with all the palm trees and yeah, more they uh, those tropical. In. Yeah, they're not yeah from so there. there's a big story behind all of that. It's not and, in, and what, natural what was state. it that Naheem says? See, everybody seems to think our island, which they call one happy island, I think. Is that correct? Yep, yep. Uh, they, everybody seems to think it's a tropical island. But really, and the only reason they think that is because, well, he had a joke and I don't remember it and I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> Hey, because they, you know, everybody gets drunk there, right, and stays happy. So the, yeah, so and that's we can why they thought. To that. But it really is a desert island, and not only that, not only was our ride uh, fantastic, but we found out they actually have two biking events throughout the year there. Yes, and now I can't remember them. I don't know if you do, Deb. I think it was uh, March. Or March February. is eighteen flat. March eighteenth is what they call Flag Day. Now that I think, from what AJ said, is uh, yeah. the biggest event on the island. And so um, they bring in, they ship in. Harleys, they ship in bikes Correct. in a big way to have this event. And actually, we, we're going to make plans sometimes in the future to be able to do that. Nothing in the immediate future, right? I'm not but sure down the road, March, maybe a couple maybe. of years from now, because I want to give it a little break and then we'll come back to Aruba. Definitely hit that one. And there was one in October Correct. as well. Yep. So again, and so they little said do six, you know, right? 600 motorcycles in that one little island, I believe, is the number that I recall him saying to me for that flag day, just the biggest event all the way around. So it was a great way to tour. There are a couple things, though, from a rider's perspective that I thought was pretty pretty neat that, I, again, I want to share. Now, if you've ever been to Aruba, if you haven't been to Aruba, here's the, here's the gig. The streets are filled with potholes. They're not the best paved roads around, Rounds. and oftentimes you're on gravel and packed dirt. So the normal things that you would do, simplest uh, that I can think of is cornering. You know, usually there's that slow look, press and roll, and you're rolling on the throttle as you're going through the corner. But because there is so much dirt on the streets, one of their cautions before we even started the tour is don't roll on the throttle until you've come out of the curve and straight up. So again, just the things that we need to worry about that we typically think in the about, U.S. don't, don't about, have to worry about, about or think about. And then AJ was the one that instructed us on that, and he said this right. is how the roads are. And then he also talked about it. People, people there don't use their blinkers. Right. So if somebody's got their blinker on, it, just know they're not turning. Right. It so don't pull out anything. thinking they're going to turn. Right. Correct. So he came right out and said that. And you know that actually goes for wherever you are. I think. I think it's. Um, I think it's a good idea to remember that that person may not have meant to keep their blinker on and just be cautious. But there, he just said we don't use the blinkers here, so <laughs> you know it's they're not using it. They're yeah. not going to turn. So so it may be the same where you're at and or you know where you live but it was definitely the way Aruba was and it was a little bit of a different experience because much of the ride was a pretty rough ride quite honestly there was not a whole lot of really smooth sailing except for but there were lots of twists and turns and you know great mountain peaks above water it was just a beautiful 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 trip yeah it really was and you know I said earlier that we didn't have any stops but yeah we had stops at all those different places and there were there were phenomenal places it was really cool it was Hey, Deb, I would agree with you. What a great way to go see Aruba on a motorcycle. Yep. And you get to see and you get to see all the major uh, attractions, major attractions. attractions there and the things that they have on the island in a really cool way. Yes. So we've got a really neat show lined up for you today. Um, we've got raw and unapologetic coming here in just a few moments and then at the at the half hour of the show we are going to uh replay an interview with the we an interview that we did <laughs> a little uh, exhausted yeah just Kate a little and... just a little bit yeah i'm gonna recoup and go at it all over again because we got a friend coming into town i have to do this all over again yep. anyway so uh, the name is canine partners for patriots and they are a fantastic organization that we again wanted to bring their message to you and we wanted to do that because of Veterans Day. So we know we're a little bit behind Veterans Day. But in honor of Veterans Day, we are going to go ahead and play that Canine interview. Partners for Patriots. Canine once Partners more. for Patriots. Okay. So, but what we've got coming up now is the one and the only Dutch Van Alsten with Raw 
and unapologetic. We hope you enjoy it. We'll catch you guys next week. Be sure to stay tuned tuned next week because you want to figure out why I can't speak this week. All right. You do not want to miss next week's show either. We're truly grateful and thankful for you. So here he is, Dutch Van Austin and raw and unapologetic. Good afternoon from a balmy 75 degrees in Tampa, Florida. And if you're listening from my old stomping grounds in Rochester, New York, I know you're not having a very good afternoon because it is freezing there. Once again, I am Dutch Van Alston. I am the author of Demons Rising, the story of the Wayward Scout, book number one in the Like Behind Bars book series, and I am raw and unapologetic. I enjoyed speaking to you all last week, but I did come to grips that I am a rank amateur in the broadcasting field. And by rank, I mean Noah Webster's Dictionary, a person who is completely inexperienced or inept at a particular activity. And again, if any of my ex-girlfriends are listening, they are again getting whiplash, nodding their heads so hard, saying, yes, yes, that's just so true. Well, how do you like me now, ladies? of the evening. I am on the soon-to-be world-famous Chuck and Deb show on Biker Life Radio, so I will not be answering your calls any longer. <clears throat> but um, the number hasn't changed, just so you know. So, again, I mean rank as an amateur, not to be confused with a pungent smell, because I do shower often, sort of, more so if it rains throughout the week. I also know I need to slow the pace of my voice a bit and keep it steadier. As of now, that is somewhere between talking like this and the guy who reads those uh, disclaimers at the end of those new medications you see on the market. You know the ones. The ones where the side effects are horribly worse than the ailment that it may or may not cure. May cause you to strip and run naked through any Motel 6. You know, (laughs) if only Jack Daniels would have had those disclaimers, maybe I wouldn't have... Well, anyway, that's my problem, not yours. And I am glad stuff like that happened long before YouTube or security cameras in the Motel 6 lobby. And speaking of beverages, Chuck also mentioned he could hear my glass being set down on the table last week. That's how sensitive the sounds are. I mean, who'd have thunk it? I mean, not a pleasant-smelling rank amateur like myself. So I am admitting I am no pro. I didn't know this stuff. And he didn't know that it wasn't a glass. I mean, who needs a glass when you have the whole bottle? But either way, I'm trying to be more professional and use restraint in such matters, so I'm now just going to use a really long straw that reaches all the way to the bottom. So as I discussed last week, I love my motorcycles. I love motorcycles. I love the biker way of life. Although over the years, lay people, or citizens as we used to refer to them back in the day, have a skewed and almost naive perception of what that life is like. I mean, I have been asked such point-blank questions like, Have you ever killed anyone? And I just sigh and shake my head in frustration, and I give them the same answer that I always do. I'm sorry. But, at the advice of my attorney, I'm refusing to answer the questions on the grounds that it may tend to incriminate me. But for real, I've actually answered that question that way because people don't understand the incredulity of that question. I, I don't know what they expect me to, me, me to say. I mean, I mean, the real answer, of course, is no. Of course not, you idiot. Now, could I? Hmm, I, I don't know. No, I couldn't. But believe it or not, there is no correlation between being a biker and murder. I know that's hard to grasp for some, but no. That is a Hollywood-created stereotype. So if you're going to ask me if I handled club business that way... I'm going to tell you that club business for me consisted of devouring an Arby's club sandwich at the clubhouse. But you got to remember people's frame of reference and what they see on TV, such as gangland and stuff like that, whose only job is to just sensationalize the life. I sometimes hear the opposite stereotypes. People ask me if it's like wild hogs. It, and by the way, even though that was it was a pretty decent movie in its own right, I'm telling you, a nerd like Dudley couldn't get a hot girl like Marissa Tomei, even if Dudley had a 10-inch set of ape-hangers on his bike. So no, not all women swoon over any guy with a bike. But it has helped over the years, occasionally. So I've heard. 
But we do have a raucous and rowdy time when we're out and about. Yes, I'm not going to deny that, but not every time. Let me convey to you an event one time I went to, which was probably the three worst days of my life. And it was about 15 years ago, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know, my time frame is a, a bit off kilter over the years. Our club was going to Syracuse for a three-day brothers-only excursion. This was some sort of tradition the club had been doing long before I was even old enough to be on a bike. And the motel we stayed at was the motel they stayed at the very first time they went. I am not going to mention the name of this fine five roach motel, but it was located in the bad section of Syracuse, the neighborhood we aptly called Syracuse. I rode it by myself because I really was out of state on club business being that Arby's is an international chain and available in any state. But I really was out of state. I, I was in Harrisburg. Uh, as soon as I jumped on the bike, about 6 a.m., jumped out onto eight, uh, no, Interstate 81. And I'm telling you, at the, <laughs> at the first cockadoo, I threw my leg over the bike, and the skies just unloaded their watery joy on me. And that it was a four-hour trip to the New York border, and I swear it was like 50% rain, and the other half of the time, it was pouring rain. I braved the rain for about another hour after I crossed the border, and then Mother Nature finally relented. But I rolled into Syracuse with a boots full of water, and I'm telling you, just a whole head full of attitude. I parked. I banged on the bulletproof glass where the clerk was uh, sitting in there laughing at some Jerry Springer show. I still remember that. I told him who I was and who I was with and all that, and he gave me a key to the room. Room number 69. Now, when I say a key, I mean an old metal key with a plastic key tag with a number 69 written all over it and the Sharpie. Never mind the motel only had 13 rooms. The 69 was written in 10 different places. So I don't know whether it was a joke or just some odd filing system. And, and the clerk didn't know either. He just shrugged his shoulders, burped, and asked if I wanted the room for the whole night. So that was clue number one, what type of place I was in. So I go into the room. What do I see? One twin-size bed and a comforter that looked like it's been Granny's attic for 60 years. Uh, the shower curtain didn't exist. Towels didn't exist. Are you ready for this? Light bulbs didn't exist. And I, 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 I went back and asked. I said, uh, you know, what, what the hell is going on in this room? I can't even open up the window. The window's screwed shut. You got it literally screwed shut. And he said, well, you can't open it. Yeah. By the way, that's a non-smoking room. You know, as if uh, somehow the integrity of the room was in danger. And he said, you, you don't smoke, do you? I said, well, an occasional Jamaican cigar, but I'll take that outside next to the dumpster like I see everybody else doing. So I pulled the Harley into the room for me. I waited on everybody else to show up. And when they did, we knew we were going to need some entertainment for the evening. Perhaps a ride into the city's cultural bastion, Salina Street. Ooh, perhaps a craft show or a poetry slam. But... What we decided on was uh, female entrepreneurs that exchanged cash for clothing extractions. Now, due to FCC regulations, I am not going to go into details on that. But I will tell you, once we, once we got there, I, uh, I showed a great appreciation for those who studied hard in the hospitality arts. I certainly did. I knew I was going to imbibe maybe some uh, alcohol that evening, so I wrote myself a note Yep, a note. I was going to minimize any possibility of a hangover. Now, if you all don't know what a hangover is, it's the negative results of really bad behavior that is supposed to alter future behavior, but it never does. But hangover? Dutch? Never. I had what nobody else had. A plan. Now, trying to outwit a hangover is like that idiot with a six-month accounting degree who goes to Vegas to win big in blackjack because he has a system. I took out a sheet of that wonderful motel paper and I addressed the note to myself. I still have that note, so I'm going to read it to you. Dear Drunk Dutch, welcome back. I want you to heed the advice from Sober Dutch and eat this sleeve of saltines, eat this leftover turkey sandwich, and drink this quart of water. I promise you, Drunk Dutch, that you will feel so much better when you wake up and you will be pleased you listened to Sober Dutch and did the smart thing and took steps to avoid what will be a bad hangover. And then I signed it with love and respect, Sober Dutch. Now, I still have this letter, as I said, but apparently it was edited some by Drunk Dutch. Because when Drunk Dutch came back to the room 
from the strip uh, um, the ride back from Salina Street. Um, now, again, due to FCC regulations, I will read verbatim what Drunk Dutch responded to Sober Dutch, only without the four-letter expletives. I'll read euphemizing the bad words. You know, those ones I heard about as a kid that will send me straight to H-E double hockey stick if I use them. So this is what I wrote back to myself. <laughs> Dear Sober Dutch, fornicate you, you female dog, gluteus maximus, punk coward. Man up, you female dog, and take it like a man. Don't you freaking tell me what to do, female dog, coward, punk, gutless turd. Drink like a man. Actually, I wrote drink like man, and you take it like a man. Fornicate you and your kitty cat crackers, turkey crapola, and water. Water didn't save Moses, did it? As a side note, by the way, I still don't know what I meant by that to this day. I don't know whether I meant Moses biblically or some guy I knew. I had no idea what I meant, but I wrote it anyway. So let me finish by saying, take your hangover like a man, dirtbag coward, and don't tell me what to fornicating do again in the future, female dog. And the future does exist, female dog. Okay, digest that idiocy for a moment. That alone would get me Baker acted in Florida. Oh, but I'm not done. Because as Sober Dutch was reading the audaciously worded onslaught from Drunk Dutch, Sober Dutch noted small pencil marks all over the letter he wrote the night before to Drunk Dutch. And as my eyes became a little less crusted, and after I stopped the room from spinning, I noticed what they were. And they were, from Drunk Dutch to Sober Dutch, grammatical corrections on Sober Dutch's original letter. Somehow, and for some reason, Drunk Dutch had the wherewithal and the motivation to make certain that there was a comma between coward punk and gutless turd. And then he added semicolons were needed and even wrote, and I quote, this is a run-on sentence, female dog, with an arrow to a sentence that apparently was weak in punctu you know, punctuation. So, sparing myself a day of misery and regret? Not important. Making certain that my advice to myself that I didn't take was written in proper English? Important. My intentions were sound. I mean, who knows best for me other than me? Well, apparently not me. So there you have it. A brotherhood ride for the weekend. No, it wasn't Hollywood. Filled with smiles and laughs, nor was it filled with gunfire and bloodshed. It was just filled with one guy who acted like an idiot one night and cursed himself out in print, although with grammatical flair. You don't have to be a biker to do that. Just a person. And that's really who we all are. Okay, this is the portion of the show where I leave you and send you back to the dynamic duel y'all came to hear, Chuck and Deb. Join me next week when I will talk about... Well, I'm not sure yet. We can both be surprised. Hit like on Biker Life Radio, on Chuck and Deb's show and my page, Life Behind Bars book series, and visit my website, www.dutchvanalston.com. And there you have it, from my brain to your ears, this is Yabba Dabba Dutch saying sayonara. All right, here we are. We're out at the American Legion, Deb. Post 111 in Tampa, Florida. And we're, we're out here for a very special cause, and that's for K9 Partners, Partners for, Patriots. for Patriots. Yep, we were invited out because it's a big fundraiser for them, and we're so excited to be here. Okay, go ahead and say it again because I want to make sure I didn't talk over you or make sure people understand what we're talking about. K9 Partners for Patriots. All right, very good. And so we've got here Greg, yes. who's the communications directors with them. That's right. And we just missed a great story with Greg. We didn't have our audio equipment or cameras running so we'll do our best to try to reproduce it how's that sound greg it sounds good I'll, I'll do my best to recall the whole thing for you all right and we've got a special guest listener here and uh it's jeff say hello jeff hello how are you great jeff and jeff can stop us he's got some good questions too and he's been sitting over with a prod the whole time trying to get this to record some things so <laughs> so here we are we like to you know get things naturally when they happen and sometimes they just don't happen that way because that's really the best i mean when we put a mic in front of people or a camera in front of people it 
changes the conversation a little bit rather than just having a nice natural conversation. But we're going to go ahead and do that anyway. Let me tell you ahead, a little bit why our organization exists. That sounds great. Canine Partners for Patriots. We're up in Brooksville. We train veterans to train their own service dog. And the way a veteran qualifies, he or she has to have PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and or military sexual trauma. If they have a doctor's diagnosis and an honorable discharge, they qualify. And that means they can come into the program. It's a 19-week program, and they are part of that family from day one. We provide the training, the dog, the equipment, sometimes even veterinary care, and it doesn't cost the veteran a dime. That's fantastic, and and I, th I like the key word there, a family. Yes. And I think, I think that's probably a, an important part of everything that you do. Um, and so you were actually describing earlier um, some things where, I, I like the story about how the, uh, you were talking about the adrenaline in dogs and you had to get the right kind of dogs and that these dogs had to be able to sniff out adrenaline. Could you maybe run over that story again? Be glad to. A lot of people hear all kinds of things about organizations that may claim that they provide service dogs for veterans, and some of them do a great job. Um, some of them will get a dog, they might train it for a couple of weeks, or even let the veteran get involved in the training, and then they turn it over to that veteran, they charge a significant amount of money, and they say, good luck, and it's good to know you. Mm, okay. But we don't operate that way. We have the veteran engaged in the training right from the beginning. One of the things we want to make sure of, though, before, because it's quite a commitment, we want to make sure that that veteran is serious about getting into the program and that he or she isn't just showing up to please the, the spouse. That right. we, we have run into that, where sometimes the spouse hears about us, likes what they hear, they drag the husband into the program, and the guy may not be ready yet. So we really want to make sure that the veteran, again, either male or female, is that it's the veteran who's ready to get into this. And once we know what what the situation is. We have a veteran liaison who's a Marine, and he himself went through the program. So he's done it all, okay. and uh, he interviews each veteran to make sure that he's getting all the information he needs so that we can figure out what's the best canine fit for that person's needs because okay. it's not just the PTSD many of them have back injuries leg you know it could be any kind of severe skeletal injury that where that veteran needs a dog for balance not just for PTSD sure. and it, obviously if it's a if it's a larger guy he's going to need a larger dog for that so we take everything into consideration now the way we get these dogs they come from all different directions we get them many of them from shelters we've, we've rescued over a hundred dogs Fantastic. from kill shelters that's great. and, and they, they came from uh, Hillsborough Hernando Pinellas County Citrus County but we get them from all over even some from as far away as Orlando sometimes okay great and the people who bring these dogs in they know that those dogs are going to be tested they can't they don't just come into our facility and we set them loose they come into our facility and they're actually in a fenced-in uh, area that separates them from the rest of the training area for everybody's safety. Okay. When we have to uh, screen them, we screen them for uh, sociability, we, we screen them to, for aggression, for fear, any of those things. If any of those things are abnormal, it may not be a good fit. The most important thing we screen them for is the ability to pick up the scent of adrenaline. Because if they can't do that, they could make a wonderful pet for somebody, but they're not going to be a service dog in our organization for a veteran. And the reason why is because... I'm glad you're going to tell me because, I, you know, why is it so important that a dog pick up on the adrenaline? It's a good question. Anybody who's under stress, you have anxiety, stress, whatever it is, whether you're a veteran or not, your adrenaline level is going to be rising when you're under that, that situation. If you're a veteran, you're having flashbacks at night, nightmares, your adrenaline level is rising even when you're not aware of it. Okay. The, these dogs can be asleep in another part of the house. They can be asleep and they'll pick up the scent of the adrenaline from the veteran. It will wake up the dog. The dog will then go and wake up that veteran as fast as he can. He'll do whatever he has to do. He'll jump on him. He'll lick his face. He'll do whatever he's got to do to get that veteran's intention on the dog rather than whatever is going on in his head that's haunting him. That is incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, no doubt. And the, the benefit of that isn't just that the dog helps alleviate that particular episode over time 
when the dog has this ability, the veteran, the, 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 the anxiety, the stress, all of that, the, the frequency of those episodes and the severity of those episodes diminishes. Okay. And, and we, the first guy who went through the program, his name is Ron Flayville. He became a trainer. He became a veteran liaison. A couple years ago, he was made the chief operating officer. This year, he was appointed chief executive officer. And he'll tell you, actually, I shouldn't, <laughs> I, I have to be careful. Okay. He, he'll say his dog now, his dog is, is semi-retired because he doesn't need to have that dog by his side 24 hours a day. Okay. Obviously, the dog is, is in his home with him. Sure. But he'll also say that the need for medication diminishes. Okay, and, great. And, and That's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And, and we hope the VA pays attention to this because, sure. you know, we've had a, a crisis situation for years with the veteran suicide rate. We're losing yep. 20 men, a, uh, men mm -hmm. and women a day. Yep. And that's the, the national suicide rate. Mm -hmm. For veterans with PTSD, it's estimated at 22 per day. That's right. And that number, we believe, is underestimated because that's only the number that they document. Mm -hmm. There's how many other veterans that aren't in the system? They're off the grid. That's and nobody true. Knows Never what thought about that. Yeah, nobody knows point. what's happening to them. Yeah. So it, it, this is the reason why this organization exists. And Mary Peter, who you're going to meet in a couple of minutes, she started this organization because she's a dog trainer. And she had a very successful civilian business up in Hernando County that she ran for years. And what happened was over a couple, last five or six years, she started to see that there were veterans coming in. They, they wanted to get their dog trained, but they could not stick, they could not do it in a civilian environment. They might show up for a couple weeks, they wouldn't come back. Maybe they'd return, but they wouldn't stay with it. And, and it, was the, it was the civilian environment that just was not conducive for veterans with PTSD. And she said, it still amazes me how she did all this, but she shut that business down. Mm -hmm. She started uh, Canine Partners for Patriots from scratch. I mean, she bankrolled it. Isn't that something? And, and it's become uh, really a, a national model for what would be called uh, a successful alternative therapy for veterans with PTSD. We're getting, the DOD has been paying attention to us and they funded us for five consecutive years now. Great. And the Florida VA is listening and they're Good. paying attention to what we're doing. And we're, as a result, we're, we've now got veterans from 31 Florida counties. Love it. So it's not just coming from Brooksville. Yeah, that's great. So you, the word's getting out. You're helping a lot of different people from all over. Absolutely. Do you see it maybe expanding even beyond Florida? You know, we're already mentoring a group in Montana all and right. another group in Wisconsin. Fantastic. And, and what it means is when we can find a like-minded veterans organization, mm -hmm. as long as they tell us that they will never charge a veteran a dime, we will gladly share our methodology and our training syllabus with them. And we've invited them. They've come to our facility here in Brooksville, and, and they spent a few days with us. In fact, uh, next week, Mary is going out to Montana to see for herself exactly Wonderful. how that program is working. We hope to hear from other organizations around the country. That's if it's great. a like-minded veterans organization that thinks it can pick up the ball here and help veterans get service dogs and do it with the right kind of training, and also they've got to be willing to to make the commitment be, be, because they have to have people who can train dogs. They can't just start. Sure. You gotta have people who are an established dog training business and get those people involved and that can be the, a, a catalyst for something that could be very successful for a lot of veterans. That's great. And that's going to be a great feeling to be part of that. That's very inspiring. I mean, I just imagine that you, your heart is there and because of your heart being so passionate and so structured to help others that now others want to pick yeah, up on that. So that's just amazing. just continues to grow and grow and grow. Oh, yeah. And that, that's just too cool. Jeff, since we have our Jeff, uh, our guest visitor, do you have any question, Jeff? Okay. Just wanted to check with you. It's just amazing that this guy is doing this and everything is going on and keeping ahead of times and keeping up with everybody, and we can be there to support you, too. Absolutely. That's deeply appreciated, believe me. Yep. Years before I got involved with Canine Partners for Patriots, I had spent a lot of time talking to reporters about retail gasoline prices and crude oil prices. Okay. I got to <laughs> tell you. <laughs> That gets old. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And when I can tell reporters about what this organization is doing, oh, yeah. that it's it's saving lives. Yes. That's the bottom line. That's right. I see this with my own eyes, and I still I still have a hard time yeah. believing it.
unit. But I can tell you, if you were to see some of these veterans on the first week that they come in, and sometimes they're dragged through the door by their, their spouse, okay. you know, there, there's a great deal of anxiety and stress for these veterans when they start. And when they're sitting against the wall, you know, they're back against the wall, you see their knees bouncing, you see they're, they're not in a good frame of mind, they're not making eye contact, there's absolutely no conversation. And But you know what happens, three or four weeks into the program, all of a sudden they're talking to maybe some of the other guys or women in the, in the same class. And maybe That's a cool. little bit later, there's a sense of competition that's developing because maybe one guy is really doing a great job with his dog and somebody else isn't <laughs> quite there yet. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that competition develops. And next thing you know, there's, there's some camaraderie. And before you know it, they're going out to lunch together. Or, or they're, they're kidding around, they're joking around, and all of a sudden you see this expression on their faces that you did not see the first week that they came in. Yeah, that's And when wonderful. Mary Peter stands with that group after at the 19th week when they when they complete their training program and they've been tested, we that's another thing I forgot to tell you. Okay. We, we have a facility that wants the veterans to be fully aware of what they're going to encounter in the regular civilian environment. We have scenario rooms set up. One is like a coffee shop. Oh. One is like a, a, a pet store, like a Petco, for ex example. And the third one looks like a doctor's waiting room, like the VA. And we have different flooring surfaces. We, ha we have shopping carts in those areas. We have the veterans practice going in and out with their dog, with their dog in the right position, so that when they have to do this in the real world, th they're ready for it. Excellent. Another thing we do, Mary tell and the other trainers, they'll tell them, what the kinds of things that the public will say to them, and sometimes the public can be very rude and intrusive. For instance, they'll see a health a guy who's a healthy-looking guy mm -hmm. with a with a small dog, and uh, they'll say, "What's that dog going to do for you? You don't look like you need." Are you a kidding? Oh, me? we're not kidding. They'll say, "You don't look like you need a dog." What we tell them is, for one thing, the the the, the scars of PTSD are invisible. Right. You have no idea what this veteran is dealing with with PTSD, and secondly, the the law doesn't even permit you to ask that question. Oh, okay. But just so there's no confrontation, we try to have the veteran answer politely. Some of our veterans have some alternative suggestions that I can't <laughs> share on the air. All I can imagine, and rightfully so. But but she prepares them for the types of things that they should expect to hear. Another thing you'll That's hear. That's incredible. Instance, it's a lot of preparation. Oh yeah. And and a, and a lot getting ready to take this on. Yep. And I never knew. So I mean. I'm blown away by exactly all that's involved. This is not some just small, I'll no, give no. you a dog and no. see you later, goodbye. There's a lot of things going on. There's yeah. federal ADA law we want them to be fully aware of. We also don't want, don't want them to ever be intimidated. They could be in a coffee shop or a restaurant somewhere, you know, and uh, they could have their service dog positioned under that, that table. If the waitress comes over and says, uh, I've got to ask you to, to move, I've got an allergy, you know, sorry, yeah. the federal law takes precedent over your allergy, the, the correct answer is perhaps you can get me another server because this dog is staying put. There you go. And, and that's the right answer. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something that Mary is always letting them know. Um, they, we don't want them to be pushed around. We don't want them to be intimidated. We also don't want them to be confrontational. So she gives them excellent message points so that they can know what to, they're going to encounter. Yeah. And, and then on the last day when they do the test, she'll take them over to, uh, to Lowe's or Home Depot, okay, where it's a lot of pedestrian traffic and there's a lot of noise from all different directions. And uh, she'll even ask the staff to ask those veterans with the service dogs, ask them some questions. Okay. To, and that, that prepares them. That's great. And that's the last step. And then when they pass that, they come back to our facility and they get their certificate showing that they completed the entire program. And Mary stands with them in that group. And I tell you, if you saw the expressions on their faces, this is a Whoa. proud group of veterans. Wonderful. And it's it's incredible to see, for, especially if you saw the group, the same group on day one. That, from the very beginning. Right. Yep. I yep. can imagine. That's Only imagine. Well, well, before we go to Mary, because yeah. I want to go where we started back on the story. Yeah. And it was about the adrenaline with the dogs and you had to get those. And you told us a story about how you proved that it worked and actually a journalist was there yes. and uh, caught it on, on, on camera. Yes. Could you go over that story real quick? 
Mary was there. Oh, well, if Mary's there, let's do this. Let's just go ahead and no. switch to Mary, because she was there. Yeah. And Mary, Mary, we, we are so know, gracious so. that Mary has joined us, because yep. she just kind of came back. We were looking for her, and so yep. we are going to actually have Mary answer that question about, you know, that was caught on video, and it was just a yep. phenomenal story it's, it's that we want to make story, sure we share so I just wanted to hear it again and have it repeated. <laughs> Mary's the founder of the Chico Ball Rolling. Yeah, and um, Greg, like, Greg can tell it well, because he was there, too. <laughs> Um, we just happened to have a reporter coming in from one of the news, um, ABC. yeah, ABC, ABC News, and they were there because somebody else was coming to give us a donation. It was not planned. We just happened to be testing dogs at that time, and we do test dogs for the ability to send adrenaline because then we know they can do their job. They're not just a pet that we're providing for a veteran. Um, and so we tested one dog and they watched and that dog didn't pass and it's usually one out of 25 to oh, one wow. out of 50 that pass. That's, a lot. That's why we have a hard time getting the right dogs. Um, why did the first dog not, not pass? The first dog didn't pass because it didn't use its nose. It was a good dog. The temperament was very good and it would be a great pet for somebody. Sure. But we want a dog that can wake a veteran up from a nightmare, stop a flashback, um, redirect their anger, uh, panic attacks. And that only happens when they produce adrenaline and the dog can smell it. So if the dog doesn't use his nose, it's not gonna be able to be that medical equipment that I need for that dog to be for him. So the dog was great, and, and we told the people that the rescue that we got it from that it would be a good dog for a pet, but not okay. for a veteran. The next dog that came in failed as well uh, for the same reason. Okay. Third dog came in. We had the veteran sitting in a chair, and other all the rest were on the floor. He was in a chair because he couldn't sit on the floor. Most dogs will go to what's on the floor first. They, you know, they just navigate. This dog came in, lifted his nose, sniffed a little, and shot straight across the training ring and into this man's lap, climbed up his lap and, and on his face and started ignored everybody. All the other veterans mm -hmm. on the floor went straight to that man. He started crying, bawling, put his arms around the dog, oh. and he took him home that day. What a moment. And they, just, and they graduated yeah, about that. three months ago. Yeah. And it's and not... Very rarely does anybody other than us that do this daily get to see that happen, and that per that news newswoman was shocked. And so, what caused the dog to do that? Yeah, because the dog could scent the adrenaline and was drawn to it, and that's what we want. Okay. Um, so, and that's how this was proven out is that out of all the other people there, it went right to this person who you definitely knew. Yep. Yeah. Did you tell him how we test with the people on the floor? Yes. And the, yeah. Yeah. We, and we. We put people in between that don't have PTSD oh, okay. issues, We and we put veterans in between us, and usually I'm a flyby. They come to me, yeah, okay, good, and they just keep going. I, like, get my feelings hurt, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, like, chop liver over here. <laughs> and so we watch them. We never force it. We never take a dog up to. We let the dog, we watch the dog. We stand back and watch. And as soon as we see a dog, like, you'll see a head snap a little, and then you'll see the nose start going. And you'll watch that dog follow that scent and start at the hands and go up and then start start on the face and licking the face. But what we look for is not the dog that goes and kisses everybody. That's a great dog. Right. That's not a right. service dog. There you go. We, we look at the dog that runs to him, starts sniffing the nose, uh, sniffing the fingers, sniffing the hand, up the arms, white, across the chest, what's wrong with you, and then kiss the face. Okay. We want the nose first. So. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's, that's incredible. I mean, I would never think that... Uh, that dogs would do that. Is, that. is that something that's natural with canines? It's not natural for every dog. Okay. Um, it that, is. That's what you're pointing out, yeah, because yes. some dogs just aren't made for it. It doesn't matter the breed, though. I mean, we have Yorkies okay. that are that doing do this. It. Yes. And people ask me, what's the best breed? We don't go by breed. Usually, I mean, if I had to pick a hound lab mix, great, because they have great noses. Okay. But just because they have a great nose doesn't mean they know how to use it. Hmm. I'm a scent detection dog trainer. I did scent work, um, cadaver work with law enforcement for years. And um, so a scent is scent. You can teach a dog can teach a dog to find a certain scent, but you can't teach a dog to scent adrenaline. adrenaline. They either can do it or they can't. It's genetic. So, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, you know, a, a dog out, just any normal dog, like, like if I had adrenaline, it would come up to me and then what would it do? I mean, if I, if I, if I wasn't in an, if I had my dog with me today mm -hmm. and you were sitting there and you're shaking, you're doing, okay. you're doing this and you're shaking your hands, um, you're sweating, you're nervous. Right. My dog would climb up in your lap and put her head around your neck and hold you still. Oh man. Um, and so 
all of a sudden now my adrenaline's dropping. Yes, because you're petting this dog, it's very soothing. It lowers your blood pressure. Uh-huh. And she'll stay right there and comfort you. She'll kiss your face. She'll lay her head right here. Once you're feeling better, she'll get off your lap and sit beside you. If you start tapping your foot, she's going to put her head on your foot to stop your foot. Isn't that something? But she did it. I rescued her. She was tied by the neck to a chain link fence <sighs> when she was four months old. Mm. I, I adopted her right right then and there. Um, I started working with her, had her in my uh, training class. And I looked down and she wasn't there. She never left. I only had her like a week. And she, but it was all fenced in. She couldn't go anywhere. But I turned around. And I had an active military person there who was having a bad time. He was in his uniform. And I turned around and she's in his lap. And he looked at me and he goes, how does she know? Right. Uh, it's incredible. So, and since then, she's helped about 60 veterans in our program so oh, far fantastic. herself. All right. Well, we appreciate you sharing that story. And it's amazing to me. <laughs> I mean, you. it really is because... I just didn't know. Right. And a lot of people out there don't know. And so so I hope people are listening. We'll help to get the message out and so that we can help these people that need to be helped. Help us to veterans. help our veterans. You know, it's, they've given a lot. Now we can give back here. So, yes. you know, they've given. Given their life, and many have given what's left of their life. Thank you that so much. That they're trying to get back. Absolutely. So, and here's a way to help. Amen. And, thank you. And uh, it sounds like what you guys are doing is a great big help. So with that being said, let's, let's sort of back up to where the very beginning. So. In the beginning. In the, in the beginning, <laughs> yes. There was this wonderful started? woman named Mary. So. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I have loved dogs since I was old enough to say the word. I had a, I had a very, um, very good dog training business for 27 years, and uh, I was, I'm a certified master dog trainer. So there's not a lot. There were not a lot around. Um, I had a lot of veterinarian references that veterinarians that referred to me. About seven years ago now, I started having veterans show up in a public setting where I taught for the family dog, you know, and uh, behavior problems. And I just noticed things weren't right. Um, more, more and more. It's when they started bringing some back from Afghanistan and Iraq, and they'd show up with some dog because somebody told them a dog would be good. And so we'd put them in, in a obedience classes and that kind of thing. But then I started noticing they, they di were not social. Um, they didn't interact with the civilians well. They were very hypervigilant. Um, any sound backfire, hit the ground. Um, we had hunters in the woods behind us, hit the ground. Um, it, was, it was not good. So I, I saw that in everyone. You know, in one week they would be there, and the next week they wouldn't. Like, it's my goal four syndrome, or it's this, or it's that. And I'm thinking, oh. okay. So I finally just talked to them, and I said, tell me what's going on. Every one of them had PTSD, um, different levels of severity. Some I could see walk into the training ring, turn white, and about ready to get sick and pass oh, out. Goodness. Others could make it through, but not well. So, quite honestly, I'll tell you from my heart... It's a God thing. There you go. Thank you. It's a God Wonderful. thing. It's that I looked at these men and women. There was no place for them to go. They needed concentrated training for them alone in groups that they felt safe in, in an area that they felt safe in. I've trained service dogs for years, and I've never charged, you know, um, to help a PT, uh, NYPD officer, a sheriff deputy in, in South Carolina. I've trained service dogs to help people. That wasn't really my job at that point, but I knew I could make a difference. And sometimes God gives you a gift, mm -hmm. and you're supposed to use it. You gotta and it's not about it, yeah. making the money; it's about making a difference in a life. There you go. Wonderful. So I closed my business, and I founded Canine Partners for Patriots, nonprofit business. To, Getting chills here. Don't know if you notice. You know, and you. it's not like I'm not St. Mary. You know, right. I'm not. I'm. I love these men and women. My husband's Army veteran. My dad's a Navy veteran. Um, I, I don't think that any veteran that's been injured because of their service should have to pay for anything to get better. They've paid their that's price. That's right. They've already paid the price. They've yep. paid their price. So my my goal, our goal for all of us on our team is to do what we can to give our veterans that pride back again, that sense of self-confidence, the, the sense of um, hope. Big one. That's I, a big one. And we want to help restore their families. Mm -hmm. A lot of them come back and, and because of what they've seen or had to do, 
we don't ask them. We don't ask them. We don't judge them. You right. did what you had to do. Mm-hmm. You did what you were told to do. You saw what you wish you hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. You can't undo that. But a lot of them come back and can't attach to their family. There's no emotion. When Statistics will prove when you give a dog to a person in that state, if they can attach to the dog, then it starts progressing to the family. Oh, that's so great. we have seen families restored. Um, oh, that's and that's why we have our family get-togethers every three months for all our vets and their families, their children, so that they can meet other vets. They have that camaraderie that they're missing. Mm-hmm. We make them train the dog because they've all told me I have no purpose anymore. Now you do. You have to train this dog to service dog level. I'm going to be on your backside <laughs> and make sure you do it right. Um, they call me Sergeant oh. Ma'am. All in a good way. Sergeant Ma'am, I love yeah, solid them. Sergeant Ma'am. Okay. They know I love them. Yeah. I, I truly love them. Yeah. Um, they get a hug when they come in the door. They get a hug when they leave. Some of them love pick it. me up off the ground, you know. Oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but we are a family. I mean, we there are issues just like in any family. Yes, ma'am. But my, my goal when I founded it was to create a family of support. Some of them don't have spouses that are supportive. Many of them have lost their marriages. They have no support. I want a place that they can wrap around, that they know I have them show up. The graduates with a newspaper, we always have coffee made for them. They'll come in with a dog and their newspaper and go sit in our little mock, in our cafe and, and read the paper just because they want to be there. Or they've that's had right. an anniversary date that's really bad. Um, they lost a brother They're or a sister. At, and and I'll, they'll show up and I'll say, what are you doing? I need to be here. Okay, go do whatever you need to do. They go sit down. They just want to be where we are. That is and so And that's wonderful. what we want to give them. That so. is absolutely wonderful. I mean, I, I, I can go on forever. I'm sorry. No, we want I'm you to go on shy. forever. I'm not shy. And you know, what I've learned throughout this whole process, I mean, what you guys have, is, it's huge. There's a lot of what you do. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about, uh, Greg was telling us about the homework that you give them. And the, you know, they sort of have to pre-qualify in a way to even get started in the program and then you give them what do you say two hours of homework a day but it's not really quite two they hours they have to train every day for two hours but not at one time right just throughout the day it's as simple as taking your dog into the kitchen making it sit while you wash a dish that's a little bit of training time okay walking down the hallway taking it for a walk stop and sit teach the dog you know they they actually train their dog a whole lot more than two hours a day it's just that's you know, you know, and it's it's incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of just go somewhere a little bit different here, and just ask you. And I know you've probably had a lot of these. Is there one particular story that stands out to you the most, and and sort of really touches your heart the most? Maybe that you could share with us. Yeah. Because and I do know there's a lot, but is there one in particular? I have a vet, a veteran that graduated. Um, Fourth of July. Okay. Nice day to graduate. No, I mean, it was 4th of July that this incident, um, fireworks are artillery fire. I can't tell people how horrible fireworks are for veterans. These are the things laymen like me, I don't know. I mean, my Deb's father was in the Army, mine was in the Air Force, and I'm sorry, I just don't know that much about PSD, and, and, and I can imagine now that you pointed out, but I just don't. I just don't really associate because yeah. I'm out there having a good time like everybody else right. and not thinking about maybe some of those it, others around me. It is me. horrible. So, so go ahead. It's horrible for our veterans. Okay. Um, Fourth of July and depends on how over-medicated the, vet, the VA has them. Has them. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, what kind of medications they're taking, but they are, um, it's artillery fire to them. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not the day of the Fourth of July. It's two days before. It's the it's it's the day after. It's the unexpected. Gotcha. Pow, yep. pow, 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 mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's rapid fire to them when you're right. shooting off a whole thing of firecrackers, and and for some, depending on their state, it will cause a flashback. So all they know is immediate scent, sight, sound cause, can bring you back to a memory, and that's what this did to this veteran. And so he's hands over his ears. He's okay. trying not to listen to it. So he thought, well, I'll take double my medication. That way I'll go to sleep. Okay. So he took double medication. 
And then he started cutting his wrist. Oh my. And he didn't know it. He didn't know. And his Yorkie that we trained uh-huh. jumped out jumped on him, jumped on his arm, started barking in his face, brought him back to the present. He realized what he was doing. He called 911 for help and he had, got saved. But the dog stopped him. I can't say anything. <laughs> I'm just that's, so, yes, uh, that's one of my stories. I can see why that's uh, probably your most touching story. And the thing is, a lot of this, um, sorry, Deb and I are getting a little bit emotional, is because Deb can really connect to this because when her father got back, um, he suffered a lot from that. And, and I could just cons- you know, see it would have been wonderful if uh, he would have been able to have the kind of things that you're offering people right now. So Was he a Vietnam vet? Yes. They yeah. have, I love all my vets, but my Vietnam vets have my heart because they had no place. They had no one, right. no place. When our Vietnam vets come in to us, the first thing I do is tell them, welcome home. And I give them a hug and let's go from there. Yeah. Now they're a little hard-headed because <laughs> they've had 40 years, years to deal with what they're dealing with. Right. Sure. And, and it's a little bit older generation. so. Sometimes when I'm up there bossing them around, they don't like a woman telling them what to do. But they get over it because they know they won't pass if they don't listen to me. There you go. That's right. (laughs) But I I have a really, my husband's Vietnam era as well. Um, I have a real heart for my Vietnam vets. And uh, again, all of them. Yeah, sure. They've all suffered. They've all suffered. I know they would. And I have a great team. And, you know, I have to tell you. I, like ahead, I said, I could, keep on, I could go on and on. You go ahead. You got. You People got have it. said, "Oh, it's all about the money," and I laugh because for the first year, every one of us worked for free. Nobody took a salary. Yeah. The second year, we got a hundred. I'm CEO. I got 125 dollars a week. That was my oh paycheck. Oh boy. The third year, yeah, I you got. You were doing it for the money, already. Third year, I got 250 dollars. Oh boy. That was all of us because we didn't have anything. We wanted everything to go to the veterans. Whatever wow. we had went to our veterans. Um, we've been blessed to be supported somewhat by the Department of Defense now for five years that's in a great. row. It's restricted grant, but but they're, they've helped us. And that's why we're looking for the community because to me, it's not my responsibility, our responsibility. It's the community's responsibility to take I care of like it. It takes a village. Yeah. We need to, not, not one place can do it all. We need to embrace Everybody. and work together as a team. In, in whatever avenues we have to offer them. To, to um, help one another, yeah. Yes. To, Absolutely, to, to give back. So. And I think that's great. So let's, um, Deb, do you have any questions? You've been real quiet through this whole thing. No, you need to come up with something. I know. She's again, Deb, Yeah, <laughs> she's real emotional. I, I, I know earlier I saw that it touched her heart uh, when she spoke to you the first time. And um, so let's let, let people know how they can help out. Help, how, so help do, support. Yep. Yeah, how can we help support? Because we want to get the message out. We want to encourage our listeners to go out and help support. Best thing people can do is visit the website. Okay. K9, letter K, number 9, partnersforpatriots.com. And they can, if they're a veteran who's interested in the program, they can click right on that homepage. Oh, you know, here's where you get started. Yeah, veterans start here. Okay. If, if you're interested in making a contribution, we need corporations. We need the business community to, to pay attention to what this is all about. And obviously, any private donor, we, we welcome any donation at, at any level. That's wonderful. And it's all right there on the website. If people want to read the testimonials, you know, they, we have tons of veterans who give their testimonials right there. And uh, their first-person experience that tells what this what this organization has done for them, it, it speaks volumes. Okay, and if a vet wants to check it out, how can uh, they can go out to your website, obviously. Um, is that what they need to do first? What's yes. the first step? The tab, the, we have a tab that says Veterans Start Here, and we okay. make it as easy as possible. Wonderful. The first thing it says is here's the criteria to be able to be in our program because we don't want them to, to do a bunch of things, then come to the building for an interview and we say, we can't take you. We yeah. don't want that rejection for them. Yeah. What we ask is that they have an honorable discharge, that they have no felonies, that they have a diagnosis of PTSD, traumatic brain injury, or military sexual trauma um, service related, that it's caused by their military service. We need to have proof of that. Okay. And that's really about it. Um, 
Well, that's a good place to start. Right. So, so go ahead, Greg, and you got something I to add wanna, to that? I do want to say real quick, too, if people want to know more about us on the website, if they'll go to our page that has videos, we have an awesome video. We were featured on American Medicine Today, Bloomberg Business Channel. It's a 12-minute video interviewing our vets, showing the facility, and uh, all about what we do. That's a really good video um, for the clip for them to watch. Fantastic. I just wanted to say a word about the counseling that's available at our organization. There's a a gentleman, uh, Denny Brown, licensed clinical social worker, and he offers one-on-one counseling. He offers group counseling. He does, he even has a group for spouse counseling. And it's, there is no charge for any of that. that. That's incredible. It's, there aren't too many organizations that have that available. Every time a veteran comes into class, that's available. Wonderful. So there you go. If somebody's in need of some help, hey, your first step is just to reach out, go to this website, you know, click Get Started Here. I think that's what it was said. And uh, follow the process and see how, how th- these guys can help you out. Yeah. Anything else you want to guys want to add here? Just God bless. We're we're thankful for all you've done and served, and and we're here to help in any way we can. That's right, Greg. Go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you for listening. Hey, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And we, again, we want everybody to go out and please support the Canine Partners, Partners for, for Patriots. You've been Thanks listening to Biker Life Radio with Chuck and Deb, heard each Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. right here on 1490 AM, WWPR. We thank you for listening and invite you to join us next week.